This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you from the virtual joints, like I said to you, the virtual joint is where we normally go, but things got a little bit, as they say, Pete Tong. This week hasn't gone fully according to plan. We normally like to go out into the pub, all sorts of lovely pubs around West London, Central London, have a few pints with the chums, with buddies, a few beers. But this week, didn't really feel like it, so we thought we'd stay in our own space in the virtual joint, have my own wine, have my own beers, and I'll chat with my chums in a virtual arena. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here after Brentford lost last night to Swansea with my chums Dave Lane, Liberal Nick, and the Gary Paul GP. How are you doing, lads? Good. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Absolutely, yeah, good. Yeah, you're not, you're, are you feeling a little bit despondent after the result last night? Nah, nah, never, never. It's Brentford, isn't it? It's Brentford. <laughs> It is Brentford, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, listen, you know what you what you've been up to last last few days. The Liberal. Oh well, I've been uh, you know I've been enjoying the delights of the uh, West Country, although um, you know snow's coming down at the moment, so uh, could be a bit of a problem. It is actually. I was I was watching a bit of football tonight. Not football. I was standing out there in the cold around the pitch, and I tell you, there's all sorts of ice coming down onto my shoulders as well. So I don't know. It might be icy for the Rams coming out the weekend, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. We've also got the Gary P GP in the house. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm not doing too bad, Bill. Not too, not too bad at all. Uh, say, um, despite um, last night's um, not very good result. Um, Debacle, I think the word is. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think it's what it's one. It's one of those where um, you know, barely, I hadn't even sat down, and then when I literally turned turned on to have a look, and uh, one nil down, and I thought I wasn't, I didn't even know the game had kicked off. And we've got the Laney Man as well in the house. Laney Man, how are you doing? Not, not very well, actually. Oh, no, really? No, not, I'm, not really well? I'm feeling a little bit down in the dumps. A little bit, um, little bit man flu-y. Bit of, I need a bit medicinal, mate. Oh, so what's been going down, Laney? Well, quite a lot's been going down, actually, Bill. Um, I mean, you, know, you said you're not well. I mean, what is it? Is it, is it fever? 
yeah, um, a high temperature. Um, uh, I feel like I'm I'm fighting I'm fighting off something. Um, it could be I'm, I'm not I'm not fighting off relegation. I don't think it's not that bad. You sure you don't need to go to a cottage hospital, Dave? Um, I might have to go to a cottage hospital, but um, I'm not sure I could afford the, uh, the, the. I can't afford the rates in in that part of London. Liberal as well. I mean, I know you're in a different part of London, and no, different part of London, different part of the country. Um, what's what's going down in in your part of the world? Well, going down, as I, literally, as I look out the window, Bill, I can see, even though it's pitch black, I can see white layers of snow forming on the uh, garden table that I have. So the snow is falling and coming down aplenty. Um, I haven't had snow coming down for a, oh, at least a year, really, in any volume in April. So I hope it doesn't last, uh, I hope it doesn't last for too long. It'll probably, uh, it'll probably be a one one. It'll probably be a one-season wonder and uh, disappear pretty shortly. Gary, Gary, GP, what's been going down in your zone as well? I mean, I know that you're still West London side, Hounslow side. What's been going down with you these last few days? Well, as I say, like, we don't seem to have any inclement weather like um, the Liberal does. But, um, well, last few days, that is actually interesting. I was watching um, video one of my favourite fighters, Nigel Benn. And, um, yeah, when he was hitting people, there were quite a few people going down. A lot of people going down, and um, you know, West London has been. I know there have been certain people going down you know, over the last 24 48 hours, but yeah. there you go. Interesting. I, saw, I mean, you just I saw a YouTube video recently. Anyway, we'll talk about those things in a minute, but listen, and for, and for males, myself, to be quite honest with you, I've been, I've, I've not been, I've not been up, I've been. I've been a bit down, actually. And to be quite honest with you, I've been going down. I've been going down with the Fulham. Down <laughs> with the Fulham. <laughs> I just can't, I can't help myself. No. Sorry, that's so childish. Down, 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 down. But anyway, listen, mm. we'll talk about that. As we know, Fulham got relegated last night at Watford. They tried their hardest not to get relegated, and they only lost by 4-1. You know, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to them next season. And uh, as we say, Fulham have thanked us for actually giving them the best days of their life. And I'm sure that there was a wonderful day out at Wembley. But let's be honest with you, you know, uh, the, the pitiful display that they've actually shown <laughs> at Craven Cottage this season. They might as well have just actually stayed where they were. And there was a bit of a rumour saying actually that Fulham didn't actually get promoted, but they were actually sort of loaned to the Premier League for the season and they yeah. actually had to come back, you know, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, we all had a little bit of a giggle about that. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Bill, Bill, can I come in though? Because, you know, got to remember, I, I, I haven't checked the stats, but I wonder when the last time it was that Fulham lost to a London team, like Watford are a London team, 4-1. I can't think of uh, it. I, I can't think of that. Four um, years ago. Today, precisely, you know. It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was quite a long time ago, and it was a very good day. But anyway, we'll have more of that next season. Um, well, hopefully, if we if we can actually start scoring a few more goals, because as we know, Brentford have not scored many goals four games in a row, and we haven't scored any goals at all, and we're in a little bit of a goal drought. On Saturday, we went to Wigan. We drew nil all. It wasn't a particularly great game. In fact, it was a pretty damn awful game, if you say it, actually. And um, But the good thing about it is that we didn't lose. If you check out our Love Sport radio show, 
which we did on Monday night, 9 o'clock on Love Sport Radio, prideofwest.london. There's me, the Laney Man, and XG Dave. We talked about that Wigan game. We had the fans from the Wigan game. We discussed that, plus many other things as well. So go and check that out, prideofwest.london. It's definitely worth checking out. But that Wigan game wasn't the best, but we thought maybe Swansea. They've beaten us twice, but Swansea, as we had Stephen from SOS Fanzine on the radio show, and he said, to be fair, you know, you didn't deserve to, we didn't deserve to beat you at Griffin Park. And we probably didn't deserve to beat you at our place because you were all over us first half, but second half you flipped it. So I thought, yes, we're going to get back at them. But last night was a little bit of a disaster down at Swansea. It was, uh, it was not happening. But listen, after this little twang, we're going to come back and between ourselves, we're going to discuss the pros and the cons, the ups and the downs of Brentford's trip to Swansea. So Swansea 3. Brentford nil. Wasn't the best. It was one of those games where, well, as we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, it seems that the players didn't really turn up. It seems like the fans didn't really turn up. There were 47 fans, from what I can remember rightly, at the game. We'll probably discuss a little bit later to find out. There's been a lower support for Brentford at the away game. And uh, in general, it was just basically an absolute no-show. Uh, for the people that didn't go, some of them probably tuned in a little bit late. We're about to say tune in to, uh, to iPlayer, you know, the audio or the video. And just about to do that, they found out that Brentford were 1-0 down after about a minute. And from what I can gather, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that didn't even bother tuning in after that. And uh, the first goal we gave away was an absolute, I mean, it was, it was just atrocious. It was quite bad. It was really bad. And it just went from bad to worse. I know Thomas Frank talked in his post-match interview and he basically apologised for how terrible we are. I don't know Thomas Frank gets quite embarrassed about these things and he you know, he's, he calls it out as it is. Brentford were terrible. We lost 3-0. And the question I suppose I'm going to ask is, um, is, that, is that it? Is it a season over? Uh, have the players just stopped playing? Gary? No, I don't think they will stop playing, but I think history says that you get games like this around this time of the season. Um, I remember another infamous Swansea game where um, it was one of those where there was nothing riding on the game. I, don't know if, I think it might have been, must have been early 2000s, and I think we went there and got turned over 6-0 um, down at the Vetch. But um, I think when you get to this stage of the season, what you'll do is you'll get some very good performances and you think, oh, great, you know, it's a, you, know, you think, oh, great, you know, we're going to go on a little run now, at least we're going to finish it in style and then you'll turn up next week and you're going to lose 2-0 to some nondescript team. It's just one of those things, that's just the way football goes. I mean, liberal, I mean, uh, it's, it's just a real difficult one because I know we were in a situation where we're, we're trying to sort of kind of not say that our season had finished about a month, month and a half ago, and we thought we had a little sight of the playoffs. And uh, obviously we had a couple of couple of losses that seemed to have knocked the wind out of us. In particular, the Sheffield United game, which even Thomas Frank said that he believed strongly that we should have won against Sheffield United. We should have, you know, all the chances we had and what we did out there, we should have won against Sheffield United. And do you think that that has just basically absolutely killed our season? Probably. I mean, I didn't make it to Middlesbrough, but I went out of my way to make it to the Sheffield United game on the, the following Tuesday because everybody was so upbeat. 
everybody was saying that the team had played so well against Middlesbrough. Fans had put in a real heart, good shift as well as the players. And, you know, so I sort of made a 100-mile detour to actually get to that game. And it was a good game. I mean, we dominated possession of that game. Um, if it hadn't have been for a couple of strange decisions, I reckon we probably would have, we could have come from that game with something. But actually, after it, going away, you suddenly realised that it was a huge, massive deflation because you knew that was the end of the season. Um, both fans and players, I think, <coughs> that Sheffield United result had decided, yeah, no, that's it. We're not going to get into the playoffs, so what more is there to do? I mean, absolute full credit to the 47 who travelled last night. Absolutely good, particularly after the Wigan game on Saturday, which, uh, again, I didn't, I didn't make that, but all the reports from you and others who, who, who went, went to it, um, the Besotted crew, it just was a pile of poop. Um, from us again I do I do think the players have probably said to themselves well you know uh, let's some of the better ones have said let's concentrate on some of the international fixtures we've got coming up um, some of the rest have thought right okay you know don't need to push myself too hard because I don't want to ruin any chance if I'm going to make a move don't want to get injured too much uh, or injured injured at all um, others have sort of thought right well you know I'll be here next season no problems we'll just just drag on which really does annoy me because as I said on the radio show a couple of weeks ago um, you know we have got we are playing teams who have got stuff to play for um, and we at least owe it to the league if not to themselves as players to sort of try their hardest because we could have a major influence still on who goes up and who goes down this season and I think it's important that we show that at Brentford we battle to the last um, and actually put on performances that people will be happy with and knowing that we haven't just rolled over and died. One of the things that we talked about, we talk about say, a, lot, a lot of things for the end of the season, that we know our season's over but we think, listen, we can still get quite a lot out of this season and we wanted to bleed a few play, new players in so like I said to you, um, Joshua Silva he got a little start up um, the previous game, which is good for him. And uh, Mads Beck Sorensen got his first start. I'm pretty sure this was his first start of the season as well, after Barbe got injured on Saturday. So he's come in and his first start of the season, and he had a nightmare start to the season because, you know, beginning he sort of lost the ball, sort of kind of midway through his area. Then the Swansea player just came in, killed us for speed and scored a goal. I'm just wondering, you know, Laney, is this, I know it's not great, this mistake, but I mean, if you remember, um, Chris Meppham made a really bad mistake on his first, on his debut, if I remember rightly, I think, if, yeah, if debut, and I think, he, did he give away a penalty? He, he, he made, it was a fluff anyway, it was a really bad fluff, and he, and he, I think he, I think he might have given away a penalty, or he did something which wasn't, was really quite bad, but then after that, he seemed to grow into the game, and he just got better from the back of it, because we thought, actually, this is going to kill him. You know, he's on his debut now and he's a young kid. Madspect Sorensen, you know, they expect a lot of things off the bat, off of him. Do you think it's going to be the same scenario? Yeah, it's, it, you know, I guess when you get to this stage of the season and you have these like non-negotiables where we have to blood um, B-team players to come into the team, um, you kinda, you're going to get this. It's, it's inevitable, really. You know, they, they need to learn... 
um, in the first team. They, they're not getting they're, they're getting competitive games for the B team, but they're not getting like they're not getting anywhere near the experience of of, of league action. So it, you know it, it goes without saying really that, that some of them are going to get found out early on. Um, obviously the Brentford hierarchy and the, and the scouts and the DOFs and the head coach. They've seen enough and they've agreed enough about this talent that they that they want to um, put them into the first team. So they're prepared to take the risk on them. Um, and I and I think they they're aware that once once in a while it's going to cost them a goal and it might even cost them a game. But ultimately, the long the long picture is that they they are confident enough that they've got um, enough potential to to come through that and end up. Being part of the Brentford conveyor belt, and I think Mads Beck is is one of those. He's you know he's he's quite he's quite vociferous in the B team. He's, he's, he's he takes control. He he's not always captain, but he 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 kind of leads the line at the back. He's uh, he's you know you, you can hear him shouting, and I, I know you, there's less there's less fans there, so maybe they all shout that loud during a normal game when when there's no fans there. Um, but I think Mad Spec is, is 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 a is a player that there's a lot of confidence in. So he has to, he he just has to learn, and he, he is going to cost us. He's going to make mistakes, and that's the same with it's the same with all of them. If I'm honest with you, so um, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, it's that stage of the season where at that point in the season where we're not going down, we're certainly not going up, we're not going to be in the playoffs. And it's, it is the right time to be fielding the Josh De Silvers and the Mad Beck and maybe one or two others that we'll see. And, you know, it's it's probably going to mean that we won't win as many games as we would quite like as fans. OK, maybe not as well. But it's interesting because um, I mean, we had a conversation again on the radio show on Monday about Mad Beck. So we talked about his, um, you know, the, with him... His lack of speed, as we thought. I mean, it's a different type of player, and every, every player's got their strengths and weaknesses, and I suppose you've got to work, work out what they are. And we just thought that his lack of speed may be, um, may be an issue. Um, and obviously, we played against Swansea, who are very fast players, and uh, they did run very fast, and, uh, and it caused us a few problems. So I'm just wondering whether or not... Are we limited by kind of what we've got, or are we just too... Um, regimented in the way that we're playing at the moment now. Yes, we've, we've found this three at the back thing, which has seemed to work for us, but are we getting too regimented in it? And, 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 and do we have the wrong personnel and the wrong system against a team like Swansea, who obviously have got these, you know, I mean, you watch you know, again, um, you know, they were, they, were, they, were, they were running us. James again, you know, they hit the post, they were, he scored a goal, you know, they, 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 it, we, we, had, we, we had a lot of problems against them. Mad Beck is not the player that you want to bring in to give you speed to to cope with a James at the back. He's 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 one that you hope that can read the game well and he can make up for his lack of speed in his positional and his zonal awareness and his in his organisation. He's a bit a bit like. Uh, it's a bit of a Harley Dean player, if I'm honest with you, in, in so much as, you know, is his physical presence is probably better than the defender that he is. So, yeah, I mean, you don't really want to come up against Swansea if you're forced to play Mads Beck because that, that's not the best situation. They've got, they've got speed, 
they've got they've got a lot of accuracy. They're they're potent coming forward against the right kind of opposition, and we we are the right kind of opposition for Swansea. Let's face it. Listen, um, is that, Gary. Yeah, sorry. Thing is, um, again, what playing that formation? Was there another option other than Matsbeck? That, you know, that, that's a question. Yeah, that that's the question I'd ask. We're almost once we, you know, he is probably our fourth in line in the central defence. So when you're playing three, once you lose one, he'll be in. What would it have, what would happen if he got sent off or something? You know, have we got anybody else that can come in in that position? I don't think so. Kevin okay. O'Connor. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, but, but I mean that yeah, the, the point is, is that uh, it, it, that's an interesting point that Gary, that Gary and Dave have, have come on because, of course, what you're really hinting at is 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 there a plan B? So, you know, if we have a player injured, uh, or should we against Swansea play defenders who are fast paced but perhaps not as um, good? And I mean, Dave, you mentioned Madsbeck Storrison, you know, look, looks a bit like Harley Dean. I mean, at the end of the day, Harley Dean was a magnificent defender for us, and he's a young kid, and he'll grow, he'll he'll grow some pace, he'll grow some strength, and you know, and he'll grow some tactical awareness. He I think we might be being a bit harsh. It was the very first minute of the game, was it not, that he got skinned, um, unlucky, and that probably knocks your confidence as well. It's a bit like what happened to Daniels in the cup in the cup game. You know, Daniels makes an early fluff and. Pretty much, it was all over for us then, and the same happened last night with with Sorison and his and his slip um, to allow to allow the Swansea player in. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. I wouldn't be too harsh on the kid now. I'm not, no, uh, absolutely not being harsh on him. I, I, I just think that if if you've got a full squad to pick from, Mads Beck's not the one that you choose for the Swansea game because you know it, that they've clearly got pace. And they they're going to come at us, and they 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 know our weakness. They're they're a shrewd, they're a savvy outfit. Um, you saw what they did to Man City, although they ultimately lost. They went two 0 up. So they, you know, they're they're a, they're a good team. They're not consistent, nor are we. So they're we we're we're pretty we're pretty similar to Swansea. Um, however, I'd say they were a little bit more streetwise than us. I agree with that. I mean, Swansea are one of the few teams that I'd fancy watching on a regular basis in the Championship. You know, there's ourselves as Swansea. I'll buy you really season have to start thinking about because they play a decent level of football. I'll buy you a season ticket. <laughs> so, Dan, I'll take it up on that. Yeah, yeah. listen. So, listen, Dan, Daniels, uh, again on the radio show on Monday, we gave him big props because he, he had a very good game up at Wigan. Pulled off a, a number of very, very good saves. And again, this is not you know bringing them down because obviously the team was just all over the place on Saturday. But uh, on Sat on on Tuesday night, but I have to say you know especially looking at that second goal, I thought that Daniels could have done better again with that second goal. So you look at these first two goals, and I remember speaking to Thomas Frank earlier on in the season when we were going on that really horrible run, and I said to him, you know, what's going on? You know, this run, it's a terrible run. We've lost this game, and he would say, well. X mis- we had made this mistake in this game and that mistake in this game. If we had made the mistakes, we'd be all right. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. But we, you know, we made the mistakes, and we're losing. But his argument was that these are very basic mistakes. And if you don't make those basic mistakes, then you're in at nil all, and you've still got a chance to win, and you can you, you can nick it from there. 
we made a, a, a massively basic mistake for the first goal, and you're down. You know, you got your, you know, you 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 your backs up against the wall within one minute, and then you got the second goal where you know basically again there's this whole thing. Ball gets looped over the top, beats everybody, beats the defenders. Player, I mean that's proper Division One style that was. But maybe that's what Potter told him to do. He said, look, they're they they're not very good at doing this, defending this. Loop it over the top, run at them. Guy runs at them, goes in at Daniels. Slots it sort of underneath his legs, almost balls. So before you know it, you're two nil down, and um, and you're down and out. And now, I mean, I know some people are asking whether or not okay, Bentley hasn't had a great hasn't had a great season, but are the defence kind of confident behind Bentley, in front of Bentley, with Bentley behind them? You know, uh, because we're still trying to work out this sort of defensive situation, which isn't really working out. Liberal, what do you think? Well, I, you know, we've we've we haven't really solved the goalkeeper problem for the last X number of seasons for a long time. Actually, I mean, the last really good keeper we had playing for Brentford was Chesney, wasn't it? It wasn't ours; he was on loan. I mean, you know. But, but to be fair, Ben. 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 Even Chesney actually made his old mistakes, but but he he was young and learning, and that's why he was at Brentford. Um, I, I I don't think we have signed, you know, and it may be that this summer, if we were to splash the cash as some people want, it may not be uh, it may not be uh, on any midfielders. Um, but actually, I'm not a great adherent. I'm I, I'm not one who argues, you know, we ought to be looking at bringing in experienced players all the time because we need to shore up and people who've got, you know, championship knowledge and know how to play. But my my uh, conviction in that theory wavers a bit when it comes to goalkeepers. And I just wonder whether it might be worth seeing this, if this summer there is a goalkeeper with a bit of experience who's out there on the market. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, don't ask me to name one because I couldn't do it. Show um, what? So, Joe Hart. That's not a bad shout. I mean, you know, he 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 was England's keeper. He he went through a really bad patch, lost a lot of confidence. I think was mistreated by some, you know, wasn't looked after by some of the clubs he played for. I think it would be worth talking to some of our Burnley chums and finding out what happened to him there. But although Nick Pope is a better goalkeeper than Joe Hart. Um, for the from the Premiership level, but yeah, somebody like that, Dave. Somebody like that. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't. You know, I, I, he probably doesn't need the money. So um, you know, I would probably be, we we might be able to make an offer on someone like that, and it actually might elevate us in in terms of stature. Sometimes you need a, a like a landmark signing. You know, it's, it's probably not. It's probably not the way we'll go. But I mean, I I I, I, I I'd entertain that idea in in you know because he's obviously a great goalie and uh you know he's he's, he's to come down to the championship he'll probably do a great great job but there you go i just feel really sorry for dan bentley I, you know i think these things are cyclical i think he can come good again the first season he had at brentford we've said several times he was exceptional uh and, and i thought he would go on and he, and he probably still will go on to to, to play at the top level and I think he 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 will he will get that form back. And we I think we we've, we've shown loyalty to so many people in the um, Brentford setup. I think 
out of all of the players, out of all of the ones that have come off the boil as a goalkeeper, I think he's the one I'd I'd stick with almost certainly. Um, that's not to, I'm not slagging off Daniels, um, and I'm not slagging off Benham. Um, Bonham, sorry, um, <laughs> certainly not slagging off Benham. Because um, uh, I'm yeah, Benham's chum. Um, so yeah, I, I I just think I think um, Bentley has still got it. I think he's had a he's had a very poor season. He he won't he won't look back at this with any kind of fond memories whatsoever. But it's a fresh season next year. And I, and I think I, I would like him to be Brentford's number one again, if not number one, number two, um, with the possibility of reclaiming the number one spot. He's got it. Listen, you know, OK, I mean, he's a very, he is a good keeper. He's a, he's a good bloke. Like I said to you, we talked to him up at, at Borough. He was very, very gutted that he was injured. And like I said to you, our season's over. So I think we're going to just need to recoup and see how we get on next season. Maybe he just needs a bit of a break and maybe this is the natural break that he did actually need um just just lastly just going into this i'm just going to ask the question though because obviously we went for a really horrendous patch in november and december then we came out of that we changed our formation we did really well now we haven't scored in four goals and we've had a proper couple you know and also during that period all that period we didn't really play really badly we had no real stinkers you know all season even if we were losing we had no real stinkers we've had you know we had a we had a, we had a stinker at swansea last night and and Wigan was ooh, was a bit ooh, whatever. I'm just wondering, are we back to where we were when we thought things were all doom and gloom? No, I wouldn't say. I'm not necessarily. I think when I look at it, we haven't got the same issues that we had. Although, as you said, we haven't scored for um, four games. Like, um, back in so like autumn winter when you know our season went a bit south. We were scoring goals fine. We just kept conceding sort of three goals in five minutes, and you now we're losing games three two and four three at um, Preston. So scoring goals, but now all of a sudden scoring goals has been a problem. If we found a goal at Wigan, we'd have won it. If we'd have found a goal against West Brom, we'd have got something out of it. If we'd have got a um, goal at um, Sheffield United, I'm sure we, you know, eleven versus ten, we would have at least got a point and probably gone on and won that game as well. So, again, having... Whereas we weren't winning those games, we were being in them. Um, so, again, it was disappointing last night. I think last night you're, it's more likely to be a bit of an aberration rather than the way they were going to play for the rest of the season. Uh, Laney? Yeah, it's, 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 again, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. Um, I, I honestly think that there's, there's there's still more to play for. I, I honestly think that you know there's the, the players need to, to to do something for the fans for the rest of this season. They almost need to they need to like key up next season in the last few home games of this one. Um, oh, it, it, it's, 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 it's really difficult because I think we've all kind of switched off a bit. You know, we it's the first game. It's the first time in a long time that I've not been to two away games on the trot. I missed, you know, I, I didn't go to Wigan and I didn't go to Swansea. So it's it's like there's a, there's a malaise that's set in, and we 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 do have to fight it because um, you know we we if we switch off, they I, I just felt that on, on Tuesday there was a just an, an inevitability about the whole thing where. Brentford 
fans had kind of resigned. They just knew. We're savvy enough to know that we go in there. The, the away form's stinky. Um, the players have just come back from international duty. They've been to Wigan on a Saturday. They've got to go to they've got to go Swansea on a Tuesday. They're proper long schleps. And you know, if it's not going for us right in this season, it's certainly not going to go right in those two games. And so it proved to be a point a point out of six. You know, we were probably lucky. You know, so um, uh, we we have to, we have to dig something out on Saturday. We we can't. You know, as Nick said, you know, we're the only thing that we can get out of this season now is really top half, top ten finish, um, ruin it a little bit for some of the teams. I'm happy to 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 sort of do derby, um, and I'd, I'd really be, I'd be delighted if we can beat Leeds United. So um, they're 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 mini goals we need to do, but we need our players refreshed, and I just feel like the international break wasn't a break for Brentford because all the three the three or four players that we rely on are, are knackered <laughs> imagine imagine saying that three years ago you know the international break wasn't a break for the club because we, we were sending all these players out out to play for internationals I mean yeah, that's true mate it's, true. it's fantastic the other the other thing is Bill uh, uh, you know this this pod we're recording this on a you know let daylight in on magic we're recording this on wednesday night and the pod will go out thursday morning and i think the uh, season tickets go on sale later today um and you know that's also vitally important because um the club will want to be maximizing the number of season tickets they sell in the last uh, year at griffin park a because it's our last year at griffin park and b because you know it'll guarantee you a place for for Lionel road um, and it's really important that the players show why, in the last games of the season, why people should buy a season ticket to come and watch Brentford um, week in, week out. Um, you know, the four of us here know what great value for money season tickets are and the excitement and, and the, the joy that we get out of watching Brentford. But we've got to attract some new supporters. Um, and it won't help if we have a team that is sort of sits slips down a bit from the mid-table position that we're in and is seen to have given up in the last six games that we have of the season. Yeah. I, will, I, will, I will go as far as to say that, you know, this season has, has been certainly the poorest of, of, of the, you know, the, the seasons we've had in the Championship. Definitely, you know, I'll still take it all day long. As, as, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily complaining too much. You know, it's uh, to be mid-table in the championship. It's it's still the stuff that dreams were made of when you compare it to where we were ten years, twenty years, thirty years, or forty years ago. So you know, it, it, it's all relative, and and that's pretty much where my my opinions come from. Is it, it's when you compare it to. Um, I'm, I I don't I don't often kind of demand success I don't often expect it it's just that sometimes you know where we are now is just a million miles away and 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 probably 150 million pounds away from from where you know we've been brought up as football football fans and uh you know I just I just think sometimes our expectations just just overtake us a little bit slightly um, especially when you, you know, we got Derby County coming down. Who, you know, we'll talk about this in a bit. They're manipulating their finances so they can spend money that we aren't prepared to because we want to keep our club run well. 
um, and and they're and they're you know doing creative finance is just to overspend. So it, you know it's it's a it's a really difficult situation we find ourselves in, where we're playing beautiful football. It's not necessarily winning every week football, um, but we're we're more than holding our own at this level. Excellent. Yeah. And- and, and, and just quickly, just I'm just gonna, actually just I'm just flipping it off a little bit here as well because you were talking about um, last season at Griffin Park, you know, you know, just going off with a bit of a bang and you know talking about moving to the new stadium. I mean, obviously Tottenham played Crystal Palace tonight in their new stadium, which I actually drove past a little bit earlier. Actually, it looks proper sci-fi. It's like really weird. You see it by the side of the A406. and You can see it there with its kind of really weird lights and its weird glow. But um, yeah. They've moved to their new stadium, and I'm looking at a couple of photographs here as well, and what they've got is that they've actually installed, um, obviously they're not allowed to put in official sort of kind of terracing or, or standing areas, but they've actually got, um, because there's, with, with the whole standing thing, or safe standing as people call it, there's a number of different ways that you can go about it doing it, so it's not all necessarily about particular rail scenes like they've, the ones that they've got in Dortmund, you can do other things as well. And what Tottenham have actually installed is that they've done is that they've got seating, and then in front of the seating, they've just got barriers. So what you've got the situation is that people don't necessarily, if it all kicks off, they not kicks off, but if it, you know, if it get excitement, they'll end up tumbling over and falling into the seats in front of them. They've got barriers. So it's set up in a way where you can see that everyone will, the seats flip back and people sort of almost like hold onto the barriers, kind of what we do. So it's almost like it's a terracing area <coughs> with seats. The seats are flipped back, which is officially seating, but I suppose in that area, if everybody decided to stand, they could do. And also what it looks like is that the seating area, which is very important, is actually quite wide. So the area between the seats and the barrier seems quite wide. Whereas normally in a seating area, what they try and do is get so many seats in. It's so compact between them. When you stand up, you actually haven't got that much space. So that's quite interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how that compares to Griffin Park. But I've just got a little bit off piece there, um, lady. Um, so, so sorry, Bill. Are you saying that they've cheated? <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't said they cheated. I think that what they've done is they've been creative in their stadium planning and they've actually uh, looked forward to thinking probably there's going to be this standing. We're going to have this standing scenario. People are standing anyway. So let's see if we can create the stadium in such a way that will accommodate these people who are going to be standing anyway and okay. try and make it as okay. safe as possible. Let, let me, right. Okay. So you're talking about this. And while you're talking about this, on my TV is that game. The highlights of that game are being shown. It's muted. And everyone behind the st- Behind the goal is standing up. Everyone. All right. Well, there, there you go. Again, that yeah, wasn't. I mean, that wasn't you look at any. You know, you look at any. You look at any Premiership grounds now and play. You know, Championship ground for that matter. Um, and and the fans are standing. And you know, let's not bang on about this for too long because we're all advocates of it. But you know, it is really important that that safe standing gets introduced ASAP. And any clubs redeveloping or or developing new stadiums have got to account for that. And if they haven't. They're Luddites. They don't. I, mean, I, I think what's more to the point is that it's not, but with Tottenham's new stadium opening and them creating this area where people are obviously standing anyway, it's it's creating a situation where people can go and turn around and say, I'm not be funny, it's happening anyway. And they created it where it's kind of like it's seating, but not. They've, they've created seating where people can stand and stand safely. And I think it's got to the situation where it's getting a little bit silly now, where, you know, where I think it's very obvious that 
we've proven that you can stand safely because we've got terraces, but 99% of the, of the clubs in this country haven't got terraces. And if you speak to somebody who's probably 25, 20, they've got no idea. I, I had people come down to the whole fans that came down to the whole game and afterwards they get, oh my God, it's unbelievable that standing because 18, 19 years old, they've never experienced that before. So we have to understand that we're actually kind of real experts in standing, whereas 90, probably 8% of the country are not. So there's a big learning curve there for people to actually understand that, you know, you don't talk about, you know, I see a lot of Tottenham fans getting really excited. Going, I wonder what my seat's going to be like. Oh, I'm really excited about my seat because they've sat down for so long. Whereas we don't say, I wonder where my standing spot's going to be like when I get my new season ticket because, you know, we stand. If we're experts in standing, Bill, maybe we could um, run some sort of evening classes in standing <laughs> where just everyone just yeah. turns up and just stands and we can just tell them how good they are yeah. i'm still standing that's right I'll that's right these all these years nick <laughs> that's right but anyway listen we should move on because talking about standing um derby county apparently are still standing that's because well they're standing with, with, without a ground they haven't got a ground to their name apparently but they've sold, they it, but sold we'll, it they've sold it but we'll talk about that just after this little interlude so the 1st of April, around about this time, is always the time that the company, the finances of all the clubs are released. They're put out there. And we can find out who's hot and who's not, who's been doing whatever they need to be doing and who is not. Uh, because they've got to put their um, accounts in by the end of March. I can't remember the date. I think it's about the 30th of March. So slowly but surely, all the different clubs from the championship are being analysed. And there's a really, really good guy out there. Um, Price of Football, no. anyway. Um, Price of Football on Twitter. If you check him out, you know, he's been analysing everybody. He's a lecturer and this is what he does for, uh, for a living. And uh, he's, he's looked at Brentford. He's looked at all other people as well. He's been looking at, he's been looking at um, Aston Villa for the past couple of months as well to see whether or not they're going to be flagrating FFP. He's been looking at Derby County as well to see what they've been doing. And it's all very, very interesting. And uh, so what's been going on with Brentford? Um, well, what, you know what they say is. Uh, I mean, the first thing is uh, they're talking about how much money Matthew Benham has put in to the club. And uh, Laney, how much has he put in now? Where is it up to? About three pound fifty. Yes, oh, yeah, right. Well, seventy-four percent, isn't it? Seventy-four percent. Yeah. Brown, yeah, more seventy-four percent more than this time last year. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it's a load of money, Bill. It's it's a hundred, okay. hundred and thirteen million or something ridiculous. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 more money than I, you know, it, it's it's mind-boggling. It just shows you, you know, it's taken us to a completely different level, and you know, I, I, I can't believe that we're we're called Benham's bitches because we we kind of uh, we kind of we kind of admit that without him that we'd be pretty much floundering. We've been, you know, nothing. So. You know, if 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 anyone could, uh, if anyone can suggest a different way of us staying in the championship, with uh, this recruitment policy and the the ability to punch our weight at this level and com- comfortably, pretty comfortably, survive in the championship, when you know you got you've got your forests and you've got your your, your Middlesbroughs and you've got your you know all the all the all the clubs and your lead. We're, we're, we're punching with it. So, 
so you know if, if people want to give us grief for supporting the owner then fuck them to be honest yeah so 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 i mean that is the that is the top line that a lot of people have been writing about 130 million that he's put in so far obviously we're talking about new stadium we're talking about sort of investment player investment staffing all this stuff um all this um stuff is all thrown into the pot but let's see what else um we've got in there so uh, apparently brentford lost about 350,000 pound a week day to day Trading uh, 2017, 2018. So 350 grand a week. You know, I think it might work out just maybe slightly under 18 million, okay, across the year. Again, I haven't done the calculating figures, but I think maybe that might be what it's about. However, the player sale profits, so we sold a load of players, as you know, um, over the season, um, helped to reduce those losses from 18.5 million to 4.4 million. So there you go. So you basically lost 18.5 million, but that's down to 4.4 million if you take in the players that we have sold, which is interesting because this is obviously one of our key strategies is to find players that no one else knows, buy them for peanuts, end up they do very well and then we sell them. So this has kind of helped to get us going. Um, also, our total losses over the years at the moment now is 55 million pounds. So this is the amount of money that we're in the red. Um, if we went up to the Premier League, no doubt that will be wiped out and then we'll be on an even keeling and we do whatever we need to do to move that forward. But at the moment now, 55 million. Uh, we had an increase in, we had a decrease actually in matchday income, but an increase in TV and commercial income. So the total income of 12.7, so 13 million less, which is less than a third of the parachute payments received by some of the championship clubs. You know, people like, well, West Brom, who we played the other day, you know, who their parachute payments alone, they get more than actually what our total income is. A um, bit of a key figure that people always look at, we basically be paying out £135 in wages for every £100 of income. So basically, in effect, we're living beyond our means, but obviously we've got a benefactor who's putting money in and he's keeping us afloat. But that's the figure that has been looked at at the moment now. And if you look at all the other clubs, you can see how much they're spending and you can see that championship clubs, in effect, are spending above their means because they're trying to either survive or they're trying to actually push the boat out and get to the Premier League. Um, wage costs are up 17% as well. So nearly 20% of the wage costs are up. So it's costing us more at the moment to, uh, to employ these people. Um, Purchases 11.3 million, sales 15.4 million. Um, you know, he lent Brentford to our, that's Matthew Benham 12.3 million interest fee to keep the club afloat, and his total loans are 76 million plus shares of 38 million. So that's what it is, you know. So th there's, like I said, a lot of activity happening with Brentford. Yes, we're doing well, but you could see that we're totally and utterly reliant. And I'm just laughing here, but we're reliant on, on Matthew Benham. And, it, and, and, and if he decided that he was going to pull out, I'm not saying he is, you know what I'm saying, but if he was not Matthew Benham and he was uh, somebody from China and they thought that they, you know, they got fed up of it and they're going to pull out, you know, we'd probably be in a little bit of a pickle. So, guys, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this when you saw these figures flying around? Uh, my only slight, there is only slight um, worry, concern, is that under the current financial fair play rules, which um, don't let's go into the discussion whether they're fair or whether anybody plays by them, because some clubs seem to run coaches and horses through them. But the only worry is that if we go on at the current 
rate of, lo of losing money as we are, even with Matthew's support and subsidies, because that's what he's doing, he's subsidising the football club, we could run into trouble with FFP rules um, in, at the, in two years' time. Um, if we, you know, pr presuming we, we don't get promoted in that time. Why do, do you say that? Well, again, we're not, what, what, first of all, sorry, sorry, you're allowed to run up a series of losses. Yeah, um, before we say I'm that, we're not, not account, we're not accountants here, so I'm going to clarify this for everyone. All of us are not accountants. We've looked at this. We've got a little bit of knowledge. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring accountant on maybe in a couple of weeks to clarify this a little bit more. So if we've made a few little mistakes here or there, but I think generally we've got the gist. But Nick, go back and say what you say. Yeah, I mean, th there is a total amount, and I can't remember and I haven't 39 got million. there is a total amount that over three years you are allowed a club is allowed in inverted commas to lose 39 million before, 39 million thank you that's right so um and were we to go on at the same rate of losing money um we might run if it run up into difficulties with a financial pl fair play um however having said that Given that we're moving into Larnell Road in a year's time, we'll, we, that that should actually uh, solve the problem and shouldn't shouldn't present us with issues. But what does annoy me is that you know you look at clubs like Villa and Borough, um, they are going to run into into problems next year definitely unless they go up this year. Derby County are up to all sorts of accounting tricks, like lease back on their stadium and whatever to their owner. That will to to make sure that they don't get a point deduction by the EFL for what they're doing, um, and it strikes me as that honest honest owners like like Matthew Benham, who absolutely is declaring everything that he's putting into the club and is running the club as at, at a at a loss and a financial loss to himself. Um, although I'm sure there are probably tax implications, etc., but he is he is playing by the rules when there are other clubs in the championship um, who have not played <coughs> the rules and are seemingly gaining from it. Um, so the whole the whole thing is a complete and utter mess. And football really does need to start getting back onto a level financial playing. You, you sound like a Leeds fan. It's all not helped, of course, by the Premiership um, by the Premiership money. You know, I mean, Fulham will come down with a you know, 100 million this this year. They they already have a 100 million start on, on anybody else on, in the championship. It's just stupid and ludicrous. Uh, listen, I, and I hear what you say, Nick, and again, obviously we're not accountants here, but from what I can, what I can gather as well, because of the, because of the player sales that we've had, um, and our loss being 4.4 million, and this is what I believe, because again, I, I believe that you take the, the players, you know, assets, you, you know, we've sold them, so we've cut the losses that we've made by selling players. So it's actually only 4.4 million. So over three years, you know, if we if we lost five million this year, if we lost, you know, even seven million the the, the year before, and if we lose, you know, um, you know, if we'd lost 10 million the year before, you know, before that, we're still nowhere near the 39 million. So I hear what you're saying about the fear, but from what I can gather, we're not anywhere near going near FFP mainly or not even mainly 100 percent because we are very good in our player trading which is a good thing for the club which keeps us going and keeps us buoyant which means that we don't have to do what derby did and sell their stadium um we're selling players it's a bit frustrating for fans because obviously you get players which you love and you think are really good and you think oh, hey, we're going to do something next year and all of a sudden boom they're gone but you can see that 
we're very heavily reliant on selling players to to keep ourselves going and keep ourselves within the limits and keep ourselves not cheating as opposed to other teams like Derby County and other teams who, in effect, are cheating out there. The question I'm going to ask you, though, is that this strategy that we've got is very reliant on our um, buying and selling of players. What happens if we have a bad year or a couple of bad years? We find some players which which they don't do okay, their, their value doesn't increase, and all of a sudden we find ourselves not able to to make the big monies that we were going to make because that is something that's always worried me if you speak to the director of football they've always got confidence in themselves in actually just picking up the next Potter the next Ben Rama the next Hogan the next you know Malpay they're very confident about that all I'm going to say to you is that what is our plan B if if, if that doesn't happen Laney yeah you know it's, it's, it's clearly a, a, a worry that needs to be uh it needs to be in the forefront of our minds because nothing nothing lasts forever. It, it, it doesn't, you know. You're in the middle of a, a, a winning streak. You're middle, in the middle of a free-scoring run of fixtures. We, you can't see anything coming to an end and all of a sudden something flips. And, you know, I always look back to that Leeds win when, when Warburton was there and you just think this is, this is going to get better and better. And all of a sudden, you know, the the, the plugs pulled, and uh, you know, you're looking at a very different scenario. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at this this period in Brentford's history, and you have to look at it as as a period in history. You know, a club a club is 100 and 130 years old, and you hope it's going to be here another 130 years, and you've got no idea what what's going to happen in between. So. Um, you know what, what I'm actually trying to say is that take nothing for granted whatsoever. And you know, it, it sounds like I'm sucking up to him, and, I, and I'm really not. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the fact that you know you, you have to kind of rely on one person, one man's benefactory or generosity to to, to keep your club at this level. But you know, it, it's it's plain and clear and simple that you know if it, if it weren't for for the person that that's bankrolling us pretty much that we'd, we'd be in, in stick and um, you know it's not to say he's not going to take his money out or he's not going to expect a return at some stage if he gets a return on it good luck to him you know now, if, you, if you're going to put 130 million pounds just say that just say that to yourself 130 million pounds of your money God knows what else he's got, but you know, to, if you've got that loose change and you, and you don't expect a return on it, then you know you, you're an idiot. So you know, I, 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 don't, I don't, I haven't got this conspiracy theory against him. I just, there's no way on God's earth that anyone with uh, with any any financial analysis could put that money, that gamble, that money into into a what was a third third division team. Um, now it's a second division team and, and expects a, a huge return. There's this certainly love there, so you know it's, it's plain and simple. So but what I'm you know, what I'm saying is you know um, year on year it, there is there is a pressure for the DOFs and and the players that come here, and I, and I think the one the one thing that helps us more than anything else is we don't stand in players' way. And that's the one thing that's going to keep the conveyor belt going because some 
clubs would, and and we don't seem to do that. So people, players like Ben Rama, the next Ben Ramas, the next Canos, the next Mulpay, they're gonna want to come and play for us because they'll put themselves in the in the shot window. They'll play beautiful football, and they'll go and earn a fortune somewhere. And that's that's the thing that keeps me really hopeful that this thing, this this journey is not going to end. I mean, Gary, I was going to say, I mean, obviously we're moving to a new stadium, so certain things are going to change. Obviously, our, the income that we've got coming in is going to change somewhat. I mean, at the moment now, and if, if you just, people just going to get an idea of, of figures, our, uh, our turnover, you know, the money that we've got coming in, about £12 million. Pounds. That's a little bit up overall than it was from a couple of years ago, but it's still pretty stagnant. £10, £12 million pounds is what we've got coming in. Just to give you a, uh, a parallel on that, Derby's income is thirty million pounds, okay, and that doesn't include parachute payments because they went ages ago. So their basic turnover is three times as much as what our turnover is for the last year. And ironically, them and us are basically are spending the similar types of money um, in wages compared to turnover. So for every £100 coming in, we're spending £135. They're spending £137. We're spending the same type of money, except for they've obviously got three more times, three times as much more coming money coming in. So it's not saying that they can actually do that because, you know, they've got three times as much more. So they're obviously spending a lot much more money on wages than what we are, um, if you factor it up. So but the question I'm going to say to you is that, Gareth, what will happen? We're, we're doing all right. And we're trying to manage our spending, and obviously we want to try and go up. But what will happen if we don't go up? Well, I mean that is the um, well, I mean, that's the concern that I think a couple of us have voiced here uh, about the long term. I mean, I know um, Nick mentioned obviously the FFP. Uh, so by my calculations, um, we we got thirty. You know, you can lose up to thirty nine million. And I'm working out with rough calculation. We've lost probably lost nine. But we probably lost about fifteen in that time, um, unless something drastic happens over the next couple of seasons. I don't see that. Um, I don't see that changing greatly. Um, I, I expect us to trade our way to be around the five six million um, going on um, over the next couple of seasons. Uh, so I think we'll be okay on that. I mean, obviously, long term, as as you mentioned, we'd lost, you know, us being 55 million in the red. We don't want that to continue. Um, particularly, and we'd like to have some, it'd be nice to have some scenes where we actually make money. Um, I mean, if you consider this year, the players we've sold, we've sold Methem, um, Egan at the beginning of the season, Ryan Woods. So that has got quite, you know, it's quite an actual wedge of money that we've made this season. And I don't think any of that, you know, that wouldn't have fallen into the figures that were released this morning. So it'd be interesting to see what the figures will be in um, 12 months' time. One of the concern, obviously, you said about we, we're getting into so having to trade means that we're constantly losing players. Um, I, you know, we have to, on the pitch, we really do have to hit the ground running. And we can't really afford to keep having seasons like we've had this season where we've given away so many points and our keepers have cost us so many points by throwing the ball in the goal, etc. We need to have a, a season like we did in our first season in the champion, back in the champion, 
championship where we really did hit the ground running and were able to kind of get up there because it increases the value of our players if we do have to sell them, if we don't make it. And obviously it gives us that chance to make it in that short space of time that we've got that quality of player. The only thing, the only thing I'd caution as well, Bill, about in all of this is external factors, nothing to do with football. Um, there are there are there are developments are the not at the moment, um, which could really affect. Uh, I'm trying to be as neutral as I can in this. Well, no, you don't have to be neutral. Uh, our, ability, about... our ability to trade with players from outside, our ability to bring players in from outside um, the, the British Isles. Uh, there are also factors to do with the exchange rates that um, exchange rates and the, 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 the wages that we're able to offer players that, that could have a, a ha- have a factor. Um, and, you know, stuff that is beyond the control of the directors of footballs. So the director Project of football fear, may be able to Project sign up. fear. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, introducing fear i'm not saying i'm not saying it's going to be i'm not going to say but i think it is something that could knock off a kilter not only us it'll knock a lot of football clubs out of kilter but i think it's something we ought to be aware of as well and the next six months are going to be an interesting um next six months to a year going to be an interesting time um for the development of football in the uk and you are right, Rick, and the reason I say you're right, I mean, I know for a fact that there are things that have been, let's say, um, um, less proactivity has been happening because they're watching what's happening in the political climate. And this is not saying, you know, one way or the other, because at the end of the day, as, as you can see, you watch any news programme, people are saying, everyone's saying, we just want a decision. Because if you haven't got a decision, it makes it very hard to make a, a business decision. So at the moment mm. now, I know that Brentford are finding it very difficult to actually make a decision maybe on certain things, because there's no decision being made. And especially, in particular, as you're talking about, if you're talking about Europe, you know, if you're talking about Britain players from Europe, you, you, the, the question is that you don't actually know what the situation will be. You don't actually know whether or not, you know, in six months' time or eight months' time, you'll be able to get an, an, another Ben, ben Rama. You know, when Ben Rama came from a particular place, or Neil Malpe, where easily he can come and he can come to the UK. So you don't know that. Listen, it is what it is. That's fine. But obviously that's going to affect us. It affects everybody else. But for, I suppose from a club that operates in a way where we, 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 we sweep between the radar and we, we look for um, players that nobody else can find because we find them in really sort of weird and wonderful places, this um, political situation probably makes it a little bit more difficult for us than somebody like, you know, Derby County who might just buy players who are the most expensive players on the UK market to keep them going for the next year or two. So we, we, if you look at the two teams, we're operating differently and we might be affected differently. And all of a sudden we might have to change the way that we are operating because all of a sudden certain things may not be open to us. And that's just the way that it is. And, uh, as we've seen what's even happened this season, if you get a slight rocky period, so we had a rocky period where, hey, Dean Smith left, then, like I said, unfortunately, Rob Rowan died, which is a real tragedy, um, and then the players had to acclimatise. So within three months, we had a real rocky period, and that really rocked us because all of a sudden, the things that we normally do were upset. So, like I said to you, that you don't, you don't want these transition periods, but sometimes you can't help it, and I think you're, you're, you're 100% right. And uh, but some of these things are out of our control, and we just have to just work out how we're going to deal with it. And 
I suppose it is a little bit worrying. I'm a little bit worried about the players personally um, coming through every time. And it's not that I've got no faith in the directors of football, but I just sort of think, listen, you've done, you know, you know what it's like. You're, you know, you're, you're at a gambling table and you're doing brilliantly all night and then eventually, boom, it just, just, just doesn't come in for you. And it's not your fault because you've done brilliantly well, but it just doesn't, just, just doesn't come in. And I'm just worried that we're going to get that period where it doesn't come in and it might last for two years, might last for three years. And I'm just wondering what's our plan B to, to deal with that? Um, well, we, we did have that situation, didn't we? We've been kind of like, we've sampled that year where the, uh, the foreign lads that came in, they, they didn't perform. We, we have Kirschbaumer, we have Goggia, um, there was, uh, you know, um, Bielend, he, he didn't, he, you know, obviously got injured early on, but it, that, that, that didn't work out straight away. Um, we had the, the, the second German lad, the, the, what was his name? Um, Hoffman. Hoffman that came in as well. So there was like that tranche, that summer tranche did, didn't work out. So, you know, it, 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 it can happen. And, um, I think they probably got a little bit, you know, and I think they've admitted it as well. You know, we spoke to Phil, um, in the, and they got, they thought that thing, everything they touched was going to was going to work out all right. They may, maybe they took a, a few too many gambles, but I, th- I, th- I just, you know, there's nothing I see is, 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 isn't based on learning by your mistakes. And I think, I think they're, they're, they're meticulous in that. So, you know, you're right. You're right to say there's, there's, we shouldn't take it for granted that every year we're going to, the, the conveyor belt will keep churning out these gems that we can sell on. There will be years where it just won't happen for whatever reason. No, it doesn't. And listen, talking about, we're on the financial thing again. And like I said to you, I'm going to highlight again the fact we're not accountants here, but we've, we've had a good little chat. We've got a, a fair inkling of what's going on out there. Uh, with Brentford, we'll have more of an inkling in a couple of weeks where we'll get actually somebody who really knows what they're talking about and they'll come on and they'll chat to us as well. But we've, so we've been looking at a bit of news that's been released today because we're playing Derby County on Saturday. And the one thing that we do get is that one thing that we do know is that as we say we try and keep within FFP, which means that financial fair play, we try and basically, in effect, spend within our means, right? So if that means that we have to sell players to keep within our means, we'll do that. Um, the unfortunate thing about that is that then by selling these players... It means that um, we uh, are weakened by it. We'd like to keep these players, if we can do, for another season or so, but we are weakened by that. What we do have, though, is that we're competing against teams who decide they're not going to play within the rules. So, in effect, it's an unfair game. So, there's us, who's a smaller team with a smaller (coughs) budget, trying to play within the rules against teams with bigger budgets, you know, who are, are not playing within the rules and they're trying to just spend as much money as they can possible to go up so it's kind of unfair on a number of different levels and you know when I saw this the other day I was a little bit you know I mean the Derby fans are going oh you're getting all sorty oh what you're what you going on about but it's kind of it's like kind of like listen you know it's like playing you know trying to play Monopoly and you know as I keep saying that and you know one player's got all the houses and all the money and it's got everything and they're thinking yeah here we go and they're still sort of struggling to kind of get around the table you know so Derby County they, uh, we, we, I was thinking over the past couple of how, how are they, how are they doing this? How are they signing all these really expensive players and getting on with it? And then we heard that they were struggling still, but then afterwards they got Frank Lampard in, who would have cost a little fair bit of money. And they got all these loan players in, who, who loaned in for a load of money and signed all these players. And we thought, how are they doing this? And, uh, 
their uh, accounts came out today and we found out that what they did is that they sold their stadium. So Derby County have sold this, their, their, their owner, who Mel Morris, has sold the stadium to, well, Mel Morris, who's sold it to himself and another company for £80 million, even though it's a loss-making uh, entity. So he sold this for £80 million, which has now brought them in to have actually made, I think it is a... Uh, or was it 4.9, uh, 14.6 million pound profit? So you can imagine, obviously, if they hadn't sold that stadium for 80 million pounds, they would have been all over the place, like you know, 80, 70, 60 million, or whatever like that, well and truly smashed the FFP. So, from what I can gather, they're within FFP. Now, the question we're going around saying, I'm not being funny, yes, and then what he's doing is he's leasing the stadium back to them. And I think the plan is that if, if Derby ever go up, then he'll probably sell the stadium back to them at a cheaper cost or less cost. So in effect, he's putting this money in and he's doing it. But it's just a kind of another way, a paper way for somebody who's got lots of money to just keep putting money into the club. Which the, the few questions that we put out there is going, so what is the point of FFP? If people can actually kind of have these little slippery rules to put in there, what is the point of us doing this? Because isn't the real point of us doing it, isn't for somebody to try and find the rules to get around it, but it's so that teams are, 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 are sort of competing on an even level, so they're actually competing within their means. And, and I, I actually don't get it myself. I mean, they're going to come down on Saturday. You know, to be honest with you, they might beat us. We might beat them again. You know, I don't think Derby are going to get to the playoffs. And this is not saying it in a horrible way, but I've just, we've seen, you know, we've seen the way they have. We've looked at the XG and I think they're going to probably miss out probably on a, by a couple of places. And they spent all this money and sold their stadium. And you sort of think, is this really the way to go? Now, I know Derby fans may look at us and say, well, you know, you're selling players all the time. Is this the way to go? But guys, I mean, don't you feel a little bit kind of cheated by this system, I don't feel. I do feel a little bit cheated. I feel very cheated, and it's because the regulators are ineffectual, weak, and allow the clubs to run rings around them. Um, it, it's not just happening to the EFL. Um, the same applies to the Premier League, where Manchester City have done exactly the same with sponsorship deals that they've got from the Emirates. You know. Um, and their, their their owners have put in money into buying the stadium as well, which gives Manchester City um, all the all the money that they wish to power their way to the top of the Premier League and possibly to the top of the Champions League. It happens in France with PSG. UEFA show no inclination really to tackle it. I mean, football finances are out of control, and they are to a large extent, I would argue. Um, no, I can't say that probably because it's libelous. But yeah. they, they are, you know, football finances are out of control. The regulators are not doing enough to actually rein in some people. The rules are the rules are the best imp- impenetrable to anybody but somebody who's got a master's degree in statistics and financial accounting. And it is about time that we as football fans stood up as a as a group and said to the authorities, when the hell are you going to do something about actually putting football back on a level playing field? Because the way it's going at the moment is just absolutely ludicrous. And it drives me to despair and frustration that we don't have a group of administrators who are prepared to stand up to the owners and stand up to others and say, right, enough is enough. If you break the rules, you are going to get fined. And if you break the rules, you're going to go, you're going to get relegated or put out of existence because you know quite frankly there is cheating going on at the moment and it's not good enough 
Yeah, but it's a case of who benefits. Who would benefit from that? I, I, what do you mean, who would benefit? I mean, you know, you either play by the rules or you don't. And at the moment, there are clubs who are who are certainly pushing the rule boundaries, if not exceeding them beyond it. It is not football is not a level playing field at the moment. No, and, of course you know, not. And, and and it's you know it it is a matter of it is a matter of despair to me is that you know a club like Brentford probably will never be in the position of being in the top half of the Premier League because there are outside investors there are outside influences in the football who will, who have more money to spend and it's just you know however good directors of football are finding finding. Super, uh, finding gems of footballers, you know, there will always be clubs that will go in and are prepared to throw money around that they haven't got, that they've uh, uh, been able to accumulate by routes that are the best nefarious. And, you know, yeah, don't get me started. I've, I've already ranted enough. It's a rant I could but, go on all but, 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 but the question, sorry, I've got a question coming here, but this is fair enough. But also, the question I want to say to you is that. In a way, you're sort of saying, I'll get really angry because they're doing this and, 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 and Brentford aren't, aren't doing that because we're keeping between the rules. You know, so there's two ways that you think you're going about it. Do we just carry on doing what we're doing or do we go, actually, let's just do exactly the same as them? Because And the reason why I ask that question is Derby have now sold their stadium. OK, it's to their mate Mel. I mean, the guy that owns them, you know, and he might sell it back if they ever go up. But A, if they don't ever go up then they're not going to have a new stadium. OK, they'll be leasing a stadium. They're not going to have a new stadium. But also the other thing is that they, their one trick, their one big asset that they've got for actually keeping them in, within, the, within the framework, within below the FFP, is gone. So to me, they've kind of like, they've, they've gone shit or bust. And within, yeah, yeah, but, two, but within two years, but... within two years, if they don't go up, surely they're going to be in a right old pickle. Right. Exactly, you're exactly right, Bill. Although they've got a Greg's, <laughs> which, <laughs> which, you know, I mean that's got to be worth that's got to be worth like a couple of billion, isn't yeah, it? Yes. Um, yeah, they they have gone hell for leather. I, I I think the owner obviously believes that Derby County are um, worthy, um, not even worthy. They deserving of a Premier League place, and uh, it's only a matter of time. But it's only a matter of time until the wheels come off. They're they're not quite good enough. They've not been quite good enough for the last five, six, seven years, um, and that's going to continue. So you know, this, you, you, I I I hope that the Birmingham City points deduction, although I don't think it was quite ruthless enough, it shows that the EFL are not going to tolerate people taking the piss out of them. And I think Derby quite clearly have. And, you know, if you're going to run your club at a huge loss and then you have to manipulate the ownership of the stadium itself, they're going to see through that. They, they have to see through that. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have faith in them that they are going to see through that. I think the press are on the case now. They, they're, 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 they're these, there's these, like, inexcusable, in, inexplicable... Um, it, kind of clear and evident um, examples of rule warping. And, um, you know, it's for us. You ask the question, should we carry on doing what we're doing? And the answer is yes. We, we, we have to play. We have to play it fair and we have to 
keep our house in order. And we have to hope that the people that don't do that get punished. And, you know, it, it has to be points deductions. It's got to be a relegation at some stage. It has to be. It's the only way it's going to stop it. You've got to absolutely say we will not tolerate people taking the piss out of the, out of the rules. And, and that's what's happening. But Dave, sorry, I mean, you are you are being too trusting. The EFL have bottled it. They bottled it on Birmingham no, City. I, I agree with you. They, they, they have bottled it over QPR. Um, and it's basically a boys' club um, because the people involved within the EFL all look after themselves and there's a bit of back-scratching going on and making sure that nobody gets punished too heavily or too severely. You are dead right. Until the EFL pull their fingers out and say to this club, right, you are getting relegated, you will start again in the fourth division, uh, you know, in the second in the second division or even in the conference, nothing will happen. And what will be quite interesting, you know, some club like Bolton um, is likely to go bust. And, you know, what will happen then, you know, um, and Bolton is a different situation. There are people like Birmingham, QPR, other football teams who have just run roughshod over the rules and they have not suffered for it. And well, it is, you know, it makes me mad. OK, but what I will say, and again, I'm not even being devil's advocate here from, again, from doing a little research, cursory research from what I can gather. Um, what they have done is not illegal. It's totally legal for him to sell, even though he's selling it to himself. And he sold it at a value which is probably slightly uh, debatable, you know, as to what that value will be. Because it, the, 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 the stadium was valued at 200, two, in 2013, the stadium was valued at £21 million. And now it's £80 million, you know. So it's a bit of those finger of the years. Oh, how much is it worth? Oh, £80 million. So he's done that and he sold it uh, for £80 million. However, from what I can gather, selling it and then the old lease back is a bit of an old trick that the old bean counters do quite a lot. And there's nothing wrong with that. So um, what happens is it's, well, again, one of these scenarios that if the loophole is there, probably just similar to like the, the tax thing. You know, you talk about all these guys that do the tax loopholes and you have a go at them because, you know, they should be paying the tax. But they're thinking, well, we're not doing anything illegal. You know, isn't it the loophole should be amended to make sure that these things happen as opposed to waving their fists? Because what they've done is they've employed a lot of very expensive accountants and lawyers to find out how they can get around this. So, to me, again, like a lot of these things, it's in how the sort of kind of how the how the, how the rules are put into place and how watertight they are. Don't you agree with me? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just said to the point that I have no faith in the EFL. Full stop. So you know, I'm losing faith in the regulators. So so where does one go from there? If, if the rules are so flimsy. That you know, the if, it, if, it, if it's not r robust enough for the old sellback trick, that they have to see through this. They need to be more savvy. If that if that's within the rules, if they're not if they're not breaking any rules by doing this, then the rules are absolutely flawed. Absolutely. Problem, flawed. Problem, problem is, Dave, they're scared. I mean, they are scared because, and I think I said this, you know, some months ago. If I'm if if I was QPR and I had that um, sentence ha ha hanging over my head, first thing I would do is get my lawyer to say, "Well, look, how is you know how is this a fair competition if I cannot spend to the level that the that the um, that the Premier League 
and EFL are subsidising other teams. And so when you've got a situation where a team is being given by the by the Premier League three times about three times our turnover, you know, and we're supposed to compete with them. How can we not compete with them? So ultimately, how is that going to stand up? And if you took that to some club in any other organisation, would somebody say, "Well, hold on, that doesn't seem like fair competition"? So if you actually, try, you know, if you, and I think that's what some teams will legally challenge why they're not getting, um, you know, as to why teams aren't getting um, punished properly. And going back to the point that Nick said. You know, well, what I was trying to say to Nick is, when we talk about regulating, who benefits? If they turn around and said, OK, no team is allowed to spend more than 80% of their turnover on wages, who would benefit? It wouldn't be Brentford. It'd be Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, those giant teams. And a lot of people see financial fair play as a way of literally... Protecting those teams from other from from the far east team coming and saying, "Oh, okay, I'm going to go and buy Leicester City, and I'm going to spend a trillion pounds build, you know, to triple the size of the stadium and buy up all the best players in the league." Because what they've now had is this situation where Arsenal now can't get in the Champions League to get that money anymore because they, you know, because Man City have come in. Because now Man City have come in with all this money. And same thing, you know, PSG all of a sudden are able to spend sort of hundreds of millions of pounds on Barcelona's players. You know, with Barcelona, you know, all of a sudden Barcelona and, you know, the biggest teams traditionally are turning around saying, well, hold on, this isn't fair. So is financial fair play there to actually level the competition or is it there to maintain the status quo of the United and the Liverpools and the bigger teams being protected to keep all the money. Well, there you go. Listen, this is a big question and we can go on and on and on. But like I said to you, we've talked a lot about finances. We'll talk a lot about it in a few more weeks as well where we get some actual real experts because we've been shooting the breeze here with as uh, little or as much knowledge as we know as well. But we've been talking about Derby County a lot and we're playing Derby County on Saturday. They're coming down desperate. Desperate for some points. Bill. Yeah. The one thing that we do know, though. Yes. Fulham got relegated. Oh yes, they did. Apparently, <laughs> Fulham got relegated on Saturday, so Fulham are going down, and we'll see them next year. But Derby are coming on Saturday, and we need a little bit of knowledge about Derby, so we're going to speak to Pete. And uh, the Pete man is from Derby County Fan TV. He's going to give us a little lowdown on Derby County. Five from the Hive, Derby County. Hi, this is Pete Fouts from Derby County Fan TV, the Derby County Fan TV channel on YouTube. We do a full set of preview to review programmes for every game and welcome subscribers from any club. My first Rams match was in 1975 when Derby were English champions and had just beaten Real Madrid 4-1 in the European Cup. So that's my general baseline frame of reference from which I tend to judge Derby County's work in progress. I've watched Derby play under its last 25 managers over 44 years in three divisions. So Frank Lampard's Derby County. How has it been since your team changed its name? 
Being the humble bloke he is, Lampard would be the first to say that the club's bigger than any player or manager, and of course he's absolutely right. In fact, that's been the real hidden beauty of Frank's appointment. He's brought with him a real humility and an emotional attachment to the club that's been unparalleled probably since the days of the great bold eagle Jim Smith. The Frank Lampard's Derby County tag is essentially a mainstream media construct that doesn't really hold much water with Derby fans. We've been managed by Brian Clough, so any manager walking through the doors of Pride Park Stadium immediately has massive boots to fill, no matter how big a name they are or how good a player they were. And don't forget, Clough himself scored an amazing 267 goals in just 296 appearances. Frank has been a breath of fresh air at Derby, and of course, as a club, we've welcomed the media attention and interest his appointment has brought along with it. But fair play to Mel Morris for taking the gamble on him. It could have easily been a Paul Hurst, Ipswich-style embarrassing disaster for both parties, but Frank has gone about his task with great humility, warmth and commitment. After Gary Rowett's tenure, though, Frank could do very little wrong. Rowett's brand of extremely dull defensive football had Rams fans on the edge of despair at times, despite some decent enough results, whereas Frank's had us on the edge of our seats. He's blooded academy players, reduced the average age of the squad, reduced the wage bill, kept us competitive and got us playing this exciting brand of football we all love at Derby. He's ticked every box of Mel Morris's requirements for this season and the future feels bright, regardless of how things pan out in the run-in. Most of us said top 10 would do this year, so Lampard's pretty consistent top 6 position has generally been an unexpected added bonus. So yeah, it's Frank Lampard's Derby County, but if you don't mind me saying, we'd rather be that than who the fuck is Frank's bees. We've been monitoring Derby's season over the past few months, as well as a number of other teams. Being a statty club that's Brentford are, XG plays a big part of what Brentford do. The statisticians of the world say that Derby have been outperforming massively, scoring many of the relatively few chances that they create. To be fair, they're very good at scoring a plethora of wonder goals. They've got you 18th place in their table for a while now, a whole 11 places below your current position. How do you see this season? Well, I don't think the table lies a great deal. Derby's key strength has been its defence, which has been in the top six all season virtually. Many people ridicule Richie Keogh, but you've got to hand it to him. He's played every single minute of every single match, including all of the cup games. He's been asked to lead and implement Frank's change of style of play on the field and had to babysit the youthful and inexperienced Jaden Bogland for Keo Tamori with great success. It's true that our strikers have struggled to convert as much as we might have hoped, and in games without Mason Mount, we've struggled to link up play from midfield to attack. There was a period when it seemed that we were entirely relying on Harry Wilson to score a free kick. Selling Mate Vidra last year's top league goalscorer felt like a huge gamble, but his replacements Martin Waghorn and Jack Marriott haven't quite hit the mark, although Marriott did get injured when he was in his best form. There was definitely a long period where we had no width whatsoever and this was really frustrating and this has been rectified only relatively recently and I think it's no coincidence that we've gone four unbeaten since that change. To be honest though, other than some of Harry's free kicks and one each from Tom Lawrence and Mason Mann, I can't really remember a single goal that's been outside of 12 yards so I'm not sure what XG is telling us in real terms. I can tell you now that Tom Huddleston's XG is precisely nil, despite in control and passing terms, him being no word of a lie, a world-class player. 
At times, though, we've tried to pass the ball from Keogh all the way to the opposition's goal line, and that strategy is often lovely to watch, but low on the probability scale. So the recently observed killer instinct has brought a much welcome increased urgency to getting shots away and getting crosses into the box. I would say that Frank's decision to go into the season without a tall centre-forward for certain games was with hindsight a mistake. Our inability to hold the ball upfield in some games was clearly a weakness in our squad. Maria is a deadly striker and finisher, but unless he's running onto a good pass, there's very little else to his game on show at the moment. As things stand, Waghorn has the number 9 shirt, and his all-round ability seems to suit the team better. Based on what I've seen, I'd be surprised if Villa don't make the playoffs. Other than that, assuming there's two spots available, it's one from us, Bristol City, Sheffield Wednesday, Preston, Borough, them down the road, and even Hull could make a late surge. I'd say Bristol City look the most likely, as they have the most cohesive team play, but Steve Bruce cannot be underestimated. We still have to play Bristol City and West Brom, and we already have four points from those corresponding games, but it's the games against sides in Brentford's positions where we must capitalise. It hasn't gone unnoticed that you spent a fair bit of cash recently. Mel Morris has pulled the wool over the eyes of the Football League by selling your stadium to uh, uh, Mel Morris for £80 to avoid a financial fair play penalty. Many Derby fans are citing it as a genius move, but it seems like the last throw the dice to outsiders. Are you not worried? Look, Mel Morris is a Derby fan, and our experiences in the past of owners who are Derby fans makes our support for him virtually impregnable. Sam Longson bought us two league titles, Lionel Pickering got us to the Premier League, and he actually built Pride Park. Yeah, it's always concerning when a club sells its ground to another company, but this happens a lot. It happened under the American owners, and I'm sure at other periods too. Mel Morris wants to make Pride Park pay for itself. 26 days of the year activity isn't enough and it's no secret that he's got designs on extending Pride Park to include a plaza and lots of other facilities. So the general soundbite is in Mel we trust. Mel is the first to acknowledge mistakes in the past. He gave huge contracts to players in a bid to get Derby up and these haven't quite worked out. But we've been in the playoffs for three seasons out of the last five so it feels like we just need that final push to get over the line. However, did you know that Lampard actually has a transfer surplus over two windows? Things have changed and it's the emphasis on youth and quality loan deals which are now the order of the day at Derby. The only worry is that we can appear like a revved up car attempting a steep hill and rolling back down again just before reaching the summit. The risk is that as the seasons roll by, the car will at some stage stall near the bottom, having burned itself out with all the failed attempts. Most clubs do cycle from growth to success to decay. The Championship is not a league to win, it's a league to escape from. 23 ex-Premier League clubs have fallen into League One, so that's always the worry. Morris has certainly made mistakes with managers. Pearson, Clement and Rauer all seem like odd choices, and again he's taken a huge gamble on Lampard. But Lampard's task is much more difficult than his predecessors, and his achievements so far shouldn't be minimised. Our academy is now completely joined up in its thinking with the first team. The under-23s have had a superb season and the under-18s is top of the league, so everything really does look good for the future. Saying that, you've had some games where you've played some fantastic football. Mason Mount and Harry Wilson have been key to Derby this season, but your goals are also spread around with Martin Waghorn and Jack Marriott also knocking them in. 
The one to watch for us is definitely midfielder Dwayne Holmes. He's absolutely scintillating on the ball and he's our signing of the season without doubt. Fikeo Tamori has also been playing out of his skin with unbelievable pace and world-class touches. Harry Wilson has actually struggled in many games. He gets knocked off the ball quite easily and can have that one-footed awkwardness, although he seems to be working on that with success. If you manage to see one of his wonder-free kicks, it'll be one you'll never forget. However, he does play his best with the inimitable Mason Mount in the side, as they link up so well together. They single-handedly crushed the Bees at home in September, and they were back to their best in the 6-1 drubbing of Rotherham last weekend. The jury remain out on the enigmatic Tom Lawrence, as well as a number of other players, but left-back Scott Malone's marauding runs and crosses from the left wing give us that extra dimension, as does our amazing 18-year-old right-back and academy product, Jaden Bogle. He's emerged this year and seems to play all over the park, and is always a threat going forward. As far as losing the three loan signings in the summer is concerned, well, it's a case of worry about that when it happens. Let's see what the last eight games brings us and who knows what can happen after that. We've got nine players out of contract and the squad is going to look very different in August. You're playing a Brentford team who have been accused by some recently of being on the way to the airport en route to the beach. The question is, will they stop off en route do we have a few more kick-arounds or will they head straight for sunnier climbs? How do you think the match will pan out? Give us a score prediction. Well, Griffin Park is never an easy ground to play at and I think we've won there once in the league since 1946. This fixture has a history of plenty of goals, so I'm looking forward to it and hoping that we can carry on where we left off against the Millers. It's not teams who play football we've struggled against this season. It's those who sit back and catch us on the break. So this will be an intriguing match. Obviously we're wary of Mopai and Brentford are a great side to watch. But our defence seems so solid. Will you get the chance to play the football you like to play? That's the question. Look out for our preview from the pen for this game on Derby County Fan TV YouTube channel and see the team we'll pick to play the Bees and our analysis of Thomas Frank. I'll predict the scoreline when the teams are actually announced but I'm feeling confident of at least a draw, if not the three points. I think we just might want it a bit more than the Bees on Saturday. Hey, thanks for having me on, and I very much look forward to seeing you all at Griffin Park. So Derby, Saturday, coming down to Griffin Park, and they are absolutely desperate for the points because they're still on a bit of a playoff charge. Um, Brentford? Well, we think they might be on the beach. The old towels might be out on Eating Road, Braemar Road, you know, the new road, all sorts of towels there. You know, I've seen people lying on them, players lying on them. But we're hoping there'll be no towels at all. And Brentford would be showing the form like they did, you know, at Griffin Park. We'd be smashed Hull City off the park. we smashed Blackburn off the park. we play really good football at Hull uh, and Blackburn and at Griffin Park. And it's a bit of a fortress. But the last two matches have got us a little bit nervous it has to be said so the question is guess are we going to be back on form on Saturday when Derby County come to town well as I would hope so I can't say I'm 100% confident that we will be as I said we've got a team that's really trying to bust the gut to get into the playoffs Um, and well what are we playing for other than our bonuses and to try and maintain that record of finishing in the, in the top half of the league. I don't see why we can't win if we play 
as well as we do. It is concerning that we haven't scored in four games, although albeit three of those have been away from home and they've been against very um they've been against very sort of difficult teams to play against, very strong teams. Um so I don't think the fixtures have been kind to us at this time of at this time of the season. But I do think, uh, again, I don't really think Derby are brilliant. It's Frank Lampard's first job, so I don't think he's a fantastic manager. He may become one over time, uh, but I don't think he's there yet. But I do think that this is something that we can get something out of and we don't want to be losing home games because then our season really will peter out into nothingness, really. Listen, it's going to, you know, <laughs> that, that is the fear. I mean, like I said, we've still got a still got a month to go we've still got quite a few games to go and we want to like I said we want to make a a bit of a I say fist of it we want to make you know we want to make it work I mean Laney I mean your thoughts on this Derby County coming down how much do you want to win this game with this is really bother you well it's, it's a bit of both if I'm honest with you Bill you know yeah I've, I've, obviously I want to win the game because you know <laughs> you want Brentford to win but I, 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 I think that the the, the turnout of the fans, as I said earlier, and the result and the, the players' uh, performance at Swansea, you know, we, we're definitely on the beach in terms of our season. We're not going down. We're not. We're not going to challenge for the playoffs. So, you know, but for pride and the fact that we're in the second tier of English football and it's a it's a brilliant league and we know that how we know how we've been playing at home. You want us to win, and you know we owe Derby because it's been a very, very much a case of we win our home games recently, and they seem to beat us at Pride Park. Um, so you know we want that to continue. So you know we 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 have to we have to show them that we are a very good football team, and, and we are. We are. So what I'm saying is we have to do ourselves justice, and that's what I'm hoping for on Saturday. Um, anything, anything short of that, it really does. You know, it sends the wrong messages out because you know we're off to them. We're off to Reading. We're off to Millwall. We've, you know, they're they're expensive days out, Bill. You know, and you know we 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 we've, we've spoken to some of our friends who paid out significant amounts of money on on tickets for Reading and Millwall, and you know they don't want to. They got no one's got money to burn, so. We 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 haven't given up the season, and I, I just hope the players haven't. No, no, and Reading and forget Reading and Millwall, mate. We just we pay for Bolton as well. Don't forget, Richard. Oh, I'm, of course, of Bolton as well. Yeah, yeah. that's oh. right. It's a little bit nervous about that as well because obviously they had their court, and it's not necessarily all about our trip because obviously you want Bolton to make sure that the club does exist. But they had their uh, they, they were up in court today to see whether or not they were going to be uh, well wound up. And the Football League have decided for Bolton to uh, wait until after the season is finished to decide their fate. So we will be going to Bolton at the end of the season. And uh, we'll give them our support, we'll give them our money, and we'll have a right good old knees up there uh, where we kick football out of football. But that's not talking about Derby. That was just going on a, a little bit left, left field yet again, as we do. Um, Gaz, Derby County, what's going down? Well, right, I've... Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'd said, I, you know, I think, <laughs> to be honest, I have a nasty suspicion that we are going to have a narrow, very similar to the West Brom game, we're going to end up with a narrow defeat. Oh, really? Score, score prediction? 
Uh, I think it's going to be one nil to Derby, and that's not like me to predict us to lose, especially at home. But I have a nasty feeling about this one. Liberal. Uh, Laney spoke about people shelling out money, yeah, to, to to travel. I mean, I shell out a fair bit to cover home games, and I've, you know, I'm coming coming to Reading, coming to Millwall. We'll, we'll be up in Leeds. It's an expensive time, um, and therefore I really do hope the players. Turn, turn in a shift um, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast and as I've said repeatedly we could still um, make or break um, some teams seasons um, and I think it's important that we show some integrity to the to the competition um, by putting out our best performance having said all that we're not on a very good run at the moment and I think if but if we put out our strongest team on Saturday, I think it will probably be a one-all draw. One-all. Laney? Uh, we are capable of anything, I think, but on home pitch, we are a different proposition. I think that we will win by two goals to one. Two goals. Interesting. And for myself... I think we're going to back on form, back on track. 1-0 to the Bees. I, I personally really want to beat Derby, just basically because they beat us. Because we missed the goal because we were just outside the stadium when we went up there. So uh, <laughs> we went 1-0 up, and then they scored them three goals. And, uh, Keep and they, football out of football. Yeah, that's right. They gave us a bit of a tonking up there. And um, But there's a similarity between Brentford and Derby to a certain extent. They try and press, they try and pass the ball around, they try and, you know, they try and hit us really, you know, really hit us with speed. So I think that it could be actually quite evenly matched and I want to go out there to beat them because they've been up there most of the season. If we beat them, it's just like, you know, just like we did to all the other teams, a lot of the other teams that are up there as well to show that we are evenly matched. We are as good as these teams, you know, so... Derby County and also Leeds United coming up. Those are the two games that I just want us to absolutely win. The rest of them, you know, the season's all over. Whatever happens to that, it doesn't really matter so much. But I really want to win. So 1-0 on Saturday would be very, very nice. But anyway, this has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, subscribing to us as well. Like I said to you, over a million listens. I was away for a couple of weeks in the sun over in America and a very nice time but you know we had the thousand oh, a millionth uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago so it's a big landmark for Besotted as well a million listeners and hopefully we'll get another million more over the next few years but like I said to you Besotted Pride of West London podcast Saturday Derby County are coming down check us out on, uh, on prideofwest.london that's where all our podcasts are besotted.com as well and on Saturday we're going to be at the game we'll be in the boozer beforehand the Punjabi Rams and all the other Derby characters are coming down there I'll have a good laugh and hopefully we'll have a good beer with them before the game we'll take the three points and afterwards we'll have a good beer with them afterwards as we say yeah come on The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.